Hey everyone, how's it going? Welcome to another episode of Wizards Weekly Musings. It has been a little while since we did our last um, podcast, uh, just taking a break, you know, focusing on a couple other things, uh, which I'll talk about uh, during this episode. One of the things I've been uh, working on quite a bit is the bootcamp course. Uh, we're going to talk about my New York events I'm hosting, the wine club, uh, and then we'll get into some of what's going on in the markets, talk about the repo market, what's going on with rates, stock markets, Fed cuts, and so on. As usual, uh, everything that I say is educational only. Nothing should be considered investment advice. Uh, in addition, if you want to support me, please make sure you follow me on Instagram at wizardofsoho.com and uh, subscribe to my website. There's lots of cool articles about the markets, about how to get into investment banking and sales and trading, several articles uh, in addition. Uh, I recently put out a bootcamp course. Uh, basically, what it is is I have a larger fixed income course, but you know, it's a little expensive at $400. Uh, so I figured, how do I, you know, kind of get people uh, uh, a few things, uh, you know, the basic topics going, especially so you can even follow along on my Instagram when I talk about the markets or talk about the bond market and so on. So the bootcamp course basically just goes through the basics, tells you what a bond is, uh, what kind of bonds exist, how do the markets in the fixed income world, how you trade bonds, um, how does sell-side bond trading work? How do you look at risk uh, of bonds? In addition, I also talk about some of the macroeconomic things I look at. What are the different uh, economic numbers that I look at? What are the different data points that affect the stock market, the bond market, and so on? So I make a list of that and I explain it, how these things affect the markets and how you can use these numbers and data points to kind of create your own trade. So... You know, I talk about non-farm payroll, I talk about ISM manufacturing, and how these economic numbers you can use to come up with new trades yourself. So all this is available in the bootcamp course, so it's on my website. Uh, I think the last, uh, I'd only put 25 slots, it's discounted right now. I have it only for $69.99. Usually it's going to be pushed up to $100, which I think is actually pretty cheap. A few of you guys who bought it said that this is way better than your uh, university courses, so... That's that's always good to hear. Um, what else is going on? Uh, let's see. Let's start off with what wine I'm drinking today. So I got a Spring Mountain Vineyard 2016 Chardonnay. Spring Mountain Vineyard is actually a very old Napa Vineyard. Um, their Chardonnay went in the, I think it's a 1976 Paris tasting, the blind tasting event uh, where Napa wines were paired against uh, best of the best French wines and this one I think came in fifth uh, which is pretty amazing for a wine at the time that nobody knew about so let's give it a taste 2016 and you know it smells really great already <sighs> yeah it's beautiful nice kind of honey-esque um, little creamier side I like it um, speaking of wine as many of you know you know I love wine and how I'm into wine um, we have, I have launched a, a wine club. The first launch was just a test phase and we only did like, um, I kind of capped it at 25 people, but I will be opening it out, uh, openly now. So 
if you are 21 plus and want to join my wine club uh, please send me a uh, direct message on instagram at wizard of soho and i will add you to our private wine club chat where we talk about wine i talk about wine we discuss everybody discusses wine um the entry there's no there's no fee to be in this club um the only stipulation is that a you have to be 21 plus ideally you you have to be in america uh and you have to be able to um participate in my shipment of wine uh it's basically once a quarter so i'm gonna have the next shipment coming up in november early november so uh usually it's three bottles or four bottles for like 150 dollars heavily discounted the last one we did was uh a Awardical of three Cabernet Sauvignons, basically a 2014, 2015, and a 2016. And we also did um, a variety pack where we did a Chardonnay, a Zinfandel, and a Cabernet Sauvignon. So heavily discounted. I think the retail prices for them were around $300, but I kind of you know negotiated some really good deals for you guys. So if you want to get involved, send me a message to get involved with the wine club. What else? Oh, man. I've been to... Uh, Costco for the first time the other day. You know, it's funny. When I was growing up, you know, I was too poor to go to Costco, and then I moved to New York. And I started making some money, and there's no Costco around. Or, you know, why would I ever go to Costco? I mean, basically ate out every day for like 10 years, so never really cooked at home. But now I'm in California, and one of my friends was like, Yeah, let's go to Costco. So, when the Costco is pretty unreal. You know, I've been reading a lot about them, the way the different tactics and strategies they have on how to kind of get people in. They sell these uh, chickens, uh, which are four ninety nine, and they, on average, sell them at a 30 to 40% uh, loss. Uh, apparently, they lose 30 to $40 million. I forget the exact number, but I think it's 30 to 40% loss and several... Um, several several high millions and millions of dollars they lose but the whole idea is that they bring people in with this heavily discounted chicken and they put it all the way at the back of the store so that by the time you get to it you basically end up you know seeing things that you probably didn't want to buy but end up buying because you're like wow such a good deal so it's pretty pretty interesting even their whole bakery their pies they have these humongous pumpkin pies for 7.99 um yeah, it's pretty unreal. Uh, it's it's actually great their business model. I mean, they basically make all most of their revenue purely. Yeah, you probably hear some background noise on this podcast it's because I'm sitting outside. It's a beautiful day, so I figured why sit inside. But hope there's not too much background noise. So you know they have a really good uh, model, and they basically make all their money off um, be, uh, being um, their membership fees, which is pretty amazing. And they keep overhead super low. They even control the amount of electricity and lights they use. They create uh, warehouse, their their um, stores with a ton of uh, open lights, uh, what do you call skylights, so that in the afternoon they don't have to use electricity. And they save money that way. I mean, it's smart. I mean, uh, they keep a very few number of items. So they don't have like, you know, if you want like some kind of uh, peanut butter, they don't have like 20 different types of peanut butter. They just carry like maybe one or two. And that kind of helps them bring the cost down. Because, um, you know, to give you an idea, uh, Walmart has 140,000 individual um, items on their list that you can buy in the store. Whereas Costco only has 4,000. Pretty unreal. 
This is not an ad, nor do I say that you should go invest in Costco stock. As I said, everything here is just educational. But I just want to talk about a little bit from my uh, visit to Costco. It was, pretty, it was a lot of fun. Uh, in addition, I did a whole bunch of you matches me on Instagram telling me to go buy their uh, pizza and buy the um, hot dogs. It was it was good. I liked it. It was uh, the, the the soda, the Pepsi uh, soda. That was pretty flat, I think. You know, maybe you probably don't like watch it that often. But yeah, that could have been better. But the the, the pizza was great, and the hot dog is unreal. Dollar fifty. I mean, again, probably again selling that for a loss. So, uh, let's see what else. Um, oh yeah, uh, I put a poll on Instagram the other day, and just so you guys know, we will get into the markets. But you know, let's just kind of have some fun talk about what else is going on i put on uh, my instagram a poll um thinking of buying an suv and basically was thinking between a range rover and an audi q7 or q8 and uh, at this point it seems like the audi is what i'm going to go with i mean so many of you told me not to get the range rover which honestly i went and saw the range rover and i did not like it i mean it looks nice i'm outside but it was terrible inside. Uh, the Audi was just unbelievable. Very, very impressed. So I think I'm going to go with the Audi Q7. Main reason, I mean, everybody said the maintenance cost is absolutely horrendous on the Range Rovers. They will break down all the time. They will always be in the shop. So that kind of sucks. I kind of don't want that, especially because I, tra- I want to travel around California a lot in this car. Kind of, you know, explore the mountains and beaches all around. Kind of do road trips. So I want to have a good sturdy uh, SUV. Um to kind of get me around so i think i'm gonna go with the audi probably lock it down either this week or next week let's see uh what else i put another thing top halloween movies you guys had some great suggestions a lot of you said hocus pocus uh you know it's weird i've actually never watched that movie so maybe that's gonna be on my list a lot of you said the original halloween many said the i think it's jordan peele's uh, movies the uh get out and uh us uh so definitely you know i actually watched both of those movies and they're amazing get out is unreal us is actually really good too some nice twists at the end um what else let's see um other movies you guys told me to watch jeepers creepers uh interview with a vampire um inconvenient truth but you know it's all fiction that was pretty funny uh what else did you guys say um yeah, said Jeepers Creepers, Freddy Krueger, All a Nightmare on Elm Street. Some of you uh, said the Jason Voorhees movies. Um, I think it was called Friday the 13th. Yeah, I mean, those are classics. You have to watch Friday the 13th and uh, Nightmare on Elm, on Elm Street during uh, Halloween or, I mean, you're defeating the whole purpose. I kind of like some of those gory movies too. Not too much. Like, I like Saw. It's kind of interesting. The first few, the first one obviously is the best one, but... I kind of like those movies as well. They're they're kind of interesting. Um, I don't like too much gore, but I like I like big twists. Oh, I love the Conjuring. A lot of you mentioned Conjuring. Um, I'm actually gonna watch the the new Conjuring movie, the Annabelle one. Um, let's see how that one is. Um, all right, let's uh, let's kind of let's kind of dig in. What's going on out there? So, the big big news uh, recently was there's this partial deal on the trade war and you know, it's very interesting you guys know for a while i've been saying that trump's not going to do a deal this year he does have a deal lockdown but he's not he doesn't want to execute it till the new year uh because this way he can take full uh you know ride that glory into election and kind of uh, increase the odds of him willing, winning the election but i think this is what happened and obviously this is not public information because uh, this is just my view but 
I think this whole impeachment thing kind of forced Trump's hand and forced him to get uh, pushed, you know, do the deal earlier. So I think what he's doing, and this is why he broke it down in phases, because I think initially there was just going to be one phase, one deal. I think he was probably going to get it done like maybe March, April or so on. But I think because of this whole pressure of impeachment from the Democrats, uh, what's happening is he kind of has been, um, you know, um, forced into making this uh, deal. Yeah. So, I mean, I think they just, you know, have forced his hand. I don't think I don't know if they really were trying to do it to force his hand to try and get him to, you know, make the deal public in advance. Sure, they might have had some inside information that Trump actually has a deal and they thought this way they could force him to do it earlier so he can't ride the glory into election. Um, but I don't know. I don't know if that 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 was like, and it's actually very smart if it was. But I think that's one of the reasons Mnuchin, Lighthouser, and Trump kind of said, okay, we have a deal ready, and it's phase one. And I think that's smart because it's like, okay, they gave the, the the bump to the stock market. They gave the kind of bump to uh, you know consumer confidence that hey, we have a deal in place. The agricultural side, the farmers are all happy now because they're going to be buying that. Trump also said that the deal includes. A significant section of intellectual property, which is obviously the most important part in this whole uh, trade war. I mean, agriculture and all that means nothing. It's all about intellectual property, and I think that's one of the one of the great things. Um, you know, these guys did is that hey, this is just phase one. We're gonna do this in three phases. I think the next phase official announcement is gonna be like maybe February, March, and then the final deal will be in place announced probably by you know october so that they still can try and ride uh, this deal into uh, you know election victory glory or something like that and it's it's i'll tell you what the downside of this is the downside of this is and trump uh, kind of has gotten screwed uh because of this impeachment and because he got forced to do announce the deal sooner than uh, you know than he wanted is that now the fed knows this so fed knows there's a deal coming and fed's big uncertainty was trade war so i think you know this kind of might lead the fed to be like hey uh we're not gonna cut in december uh october odds are right now only at 60 percent they got up to 80 percent 90 percent but now because of the bad uh, ism manufacturing but now it's only 25 only um 60 percent which is pretty low all the other cuts were basically at 100 percent before we went in I mean, we still have time and you know there's a lot of stuff that can happen from between now and then so i mean this is what i think though you know now the issue is trump's going to be pissed because the fed's going to be like listen the trade deal's done so we don't need to cut and so i think that could kind of screw trump a little bit but you know we'll kind of have to wait and see now when it comes to the fed i think this is this is what my opinion is and obviously this is purely an opinion and you know it may come true or may not come true but I think the Fed is going to cut no matter what because I think this cut is part of their insurance cut where they're trying to cut in advance. I think what what will happen is that the cut that they were expecting, uh, that people were expecting for December, which is data-related cuts, so if data keeps turning, I think that's kind of on the table now. Will that happen? And I think if the data keeps turning, if we have some more bad unemployment number, some bad ISM numbers, some more... Uh, bad inflation data then i think december might be on the table but i think as of now december might be off the table and you know markets only pricing in like you know i think it's less than 50 percent right now i didn't look at where the OS market was last but it's it's not that high so 
I don't think there's too much of an incentive right now for the Fed to cut um, in December. And who knows? You know, Trump could tweet something saying, hey, there's no deal anymore. Just to kind of get the, you know, maybe like two, three days before the meeting, he says, hey, there's no deal anymore. So he might do that just to force the, the Fed into cutting and then maybe say after that there's a deal. Who knows? It's, there's a lot of volatility with this. Uh, so it could go anyway. But overall, obviously, there's a deal. You know, definitely very positive for the market. Um, I think there's a lot of capital expenditure that companies are not doing, a lot of hiring that they have on pause. I mean, it's Q4, so a lot of places have it on pause anyways. But I think a lot of places have it on pause because of the fact that they are uncertain about what's going to happen with trade war and they don't know how the supply chain is going to be affected and how much it's going to cost them. So they kind of all have, have everything on pause. And I think that might, um, that might change um, if there's a deal so um regardless it's good for america if there's a deal if there's no deal i think the fed cuts and i think that will generate some growth regardless so not not too too bad uh you know what happens with this is when you have bad news come out now and if the fed says that you know we're not really going to be cutting anymore or we're not going to be easing or something if you have a bad news the stock market is going to get crushed if the fed says like hey we're going to watch the data and if the data comes bad, then you know we'll see if you want to cut. What's going to happen is you're going to have this risk parity scenario where every time the uh, bad data comes out, people are going to think the odds of the Fed cutting goes up, resulting in higher equity market. So you're going to see bond market go up. You're going to see equity market go up, which is obviously you know usually a sign of a big bubble. And that's kind of what's been happening over the last few years. If you look at correlations, bond market and stock market have been kind of going in sync. The fact that we have, um, you know, all-time lows on 10-year rate and we have all-time highs on the stock market clearly says that there's, you know, something. Because, ge- you know, general economics or finance says that stock market and bond market are supposed to be inversely proportional, not move together. So, you know, if you guys uh, go by my boot camp, these are the kind of things you learn in detail. Um, so yeah alright what do I think about this whole impeachment thing let's see this wine's opening up real nice right now wow delicious um, so what's what's happening um, you know what do I think about this impeachment I think it's nonsense I mean how you you cannot impeach him if you don't own the senate right I mean and you need super majority it's just all nonsense it's just to kind of and it makes sense. If I was a Democrat, this is what I would do as well, because you need to create a sentiment in the market, in the in the um, general population that, you know, we're impeaching this guy. The general population probably, you know, is not as, um, you know, in tune or in tuned with what's going on. And they're like, wow, impeachment, impeachment. You constantly hear on the media something bad must be happening. So I think that's the main idea of the impeachment is to create a bad aura more so than usual against Trump to kind of hurt him in the main election. I think the Democrats know that they can't actually impeach him, but I think the idea is just to hurt him a little bit. And I think, you know, that could work because think about it. It worked against Hillary pretty well. The Republicans kept hitting uh, Hillary on Benghazi nonstop, nonstop. And what happened, I think there was definitely, uh, you know, a reason why, I mean, there were several reasons why Hillary was probably not a great candidate, but I think this was one of the reasons people might have not voted for her because, um, uh, you know, it's it's just, uh, you know, terrible situation. Like, you, you, you want to try and create this uh, environment where people, you know, trust him less. I mean you know, get this bad image of him. So I think that's that's their gambit and that's their game plan. And that's fine, more power to them. Um, 
I think overall, it will probably end up hurting the Democrats more so than helping because I was looking at a couple uh, articles and it was very interesting. So a lot of battleground states that Trump won, uh, there's a lot of seats, Republican seats in the Senate and House coming up within the next two years uh, during election time. And the Republicans have had a hard time. Uh, you know, recruiting candidates to run. So people are like, no, we don't, we're not too sure if Trump can win. And uh, we don't really want to run for House or Senate because we want to, what's the point of running on a Republican seat when you're going to have a Democratic president? You know, it's going to make it tougher for us to get reelected. So we might as well wait and see and wait for a Republican president to come back and then maybe we'll run or figure the odds that way. But what's happened is ever since this impeachment thing, a lot of grassroots and a lot of smaller places where they were the Republicans were having a hard time raising money or getting candidates, it's been through the roof. I mean, a lot of candidates very qualified have jumped in because they've seen the, the, the increase and, you know, the Republican base kind of rally around this uh, impeachment thing, saying like, hey, the Democrats are just trying to, you know, uh, screw him or they're not being fair and so on. So I think think that's kind of a thing that's gonna that's one of the things i I think they're gonna you know get end up getting hurt but that's kind of what i think uh, about the impeachment thing at least all right so that kind of brings me to my next topic let's see so i don't know i mean this is a little bit too um too detailed or diving in a little bit too much into the you know um like fine parts of fixed income but there was this big thing that happened recently in the fixed income market or in the bond world and it's very interesting it's basically the repo markets kind of blew up Uh, repo markets are basically funding markets so to kind of give you an idea and i wrote a whole huge article about this but let me just kind of give a, a few small points about it so what happened with the repo market so what is a repo market let me just tell you so repo market is basically this you know, mar- uh, a market like stocks or bonds and so on, where you basically trade funding rates. So, say I want to I want to go invest in stocks. So, say I need a hundred thousand dollars to go invest in a stock. If I'm a regular person, say I don't have the money, what would I do? I can go to a, a bank and go take a loan and go re- invest that, right? So I can go take a loan at two percent, let's say for example, and two uh, percent over a year, and I go invest that in the stock market. Now, as long as I make more than 2%, then I'm making money on this trade because I'm taking a loan for 2% and I'm making on the stock market, say, 2.1%. So I'm basically making 0.1% on this trade uh, at no cost, right? Because I took a loan, so I'm not using my own money and I'm making more than the returns. Uh, I'm making more on the return than I am um, what the loan is costing me. Now, I'm not saying you guys should do this, but this is an example, right? So that's basically a one-year loan to fund my trade. Now, this is how a lot of people, a lot of hedge funds, a lot of asset managers, including me, the way uh, sometimes, you know, if I want to lever, create leverage or lever up, one of the ways um, I trade is by basically uh, creating, you know, uh, a trade in the repo market. So what I'll do is, say, for example, I want to lever up my bond book. So say I have, you know, uh, $1 million of bonds and I want to lever up and you know, get long duration, another million. So what I could do is, I'm already long a million in duration. I could go um, sell those bonds in the repo market. So if you sell in the repo market, you still get the movements in the in the regular market. I know it's a little tough to uh, understand, but 
you know, I, this is one of the things you just have to buy my course or actually just subscribe to my website and there's a huge article about this. But basically the idea is that I can get another million dollars by giving my bonds as collateral. So basically giving my bonds um, to a, a bank and they'll give me a million dollars in addition to the million dollars I already have long. Now I have $2 million worth of uh, duration exposure. Um, so I basically borrowed a uh, million dollars at some rate, let's say 2%. And I already had the bonds from before. That's cash I have, let's say, for example. So now I have, I basically levered up, right? That's leverage. Because end of the day, what I really have is just that one million. The second million just came as leverage. So the repo market is one way to lever up um, in the one way to lever up if you already own some assets and you can put that out as collateral uh, but you still get all the value of that asset as if you held it so even though you give it away and you pay a fee basically so the idea is that you know uh, let's say for example you sell that bond today and you promise to buy it back tomorrow at a lower price so the idea is that that difference in price is your uh, interest rate essentially so what happened recently was these rates so imagine like taking doing this every day. So taking a loan, one day loan, one day loan, one day loan. Usually people take one year loans, 30 year loans if you have a mortgage, maybe a two or three year loan if you have a car. But in the repo market, you can take one day loan. So it's overnight. Uh, and in the overnight market, what happened was these rates kind of blew up. They went up to 10%. Now imagine that you're getting 10% on a return. So if you had cash and you put it in the repo market, you basically could have made that day 10%. If you know you got in at the high, but they traded 6%, 7%, 8%. I mean, it was unreal. Um, and why, why did that happen? You know, it's very interesting. It basically comes down to the way money moves through the system. There's several reasons why it happened, and there's a lot of details with the Fed and the quantitative easing, potent, uh, uh, you know, that's coming on and um, how they need to balance reserves in the Treasury and the Fed's uh, uh, portfolio and their balance sheet. It gets into tricky details, and, you know, you got to kind of just read the article for this one. But one of the main reasons was... Um, corporate tax day so uh, what's funny is the way it works is you have corporations obviously right they pay taxes quarterly but they basically wait till the last day in september to pay that's one of their main corporate tax days and what they what they do is they run so they say they have 100 million dollars in tax that they need to pay so they'll wait till the last day and what they do is they keep that money in the short-term market so they have cash they put that cash to get returns, so they'll put it into the overnight market or commercial paper or one-month bills or so on. And what they basically do is, you know, keep this cash in the market so you have this additional cash liquidity that exists. Now, when you have this tax day, all these corporations need to pull their cash because they need to make a payment to the government. So they pull this cash out and then give that cash to the government. So what happens is you have this big... Um, constraint on cash so you have a squeeze on cash in the in the market and like i said so if you are going to take a loan what do you need you need cash right so you're going into the market and you're looking for a loan and all of a sudden all this cash disappeared so you had say 100 billion in cash that was moving through the market now it just dropped by say 60 billion it's just kind of around the number it dropped so what happens now now imagine you're a bank and your cash you had say 100 billion now you only have 40 billion so every dollar of this cash you give out you're going to be basically giving this out at a much higher rate and what happened that's exactly what happened 
repo rates flew through the market. I mean, they got crazy, and this is one of the reasons uh, the Fed is now, you know, stepping in and providing all kinds of uh, balance sheet help in terms of a, uh, you know, temporary repo balance sheet. So basically, the the Fed is going to be giving out uh, loans or giving cash in essence to hedge funds and asset managers at the end of the day who are going to lever up for cheap. Because, you know, the Fed wants to keep growth going, wants to keep the market, uh, you know, kind of buzzing and so on, which is very strange uh, that, you know, the Fed is having to do this. But it's it's interesting because this basically creates more bubbles. This creates easy leverage and it kind of will come down to, you know, where this leverage goes to, uh, what do they invest it in. Right now, you know, there's no massive bubbles, but... Eventually, at some point, there's going to be some big bubble that's going to come from this easy leverage. I mean, if you can get the Fed to, you know, finance all your leverage, why would you not? I mean, to give you an idea, the rates that were at 10% are now 1.8% because of what the Fed is doing. And I think it could be, you know, the starting um, building blocks of some massive bubble down the line. Unfortunately, we don't know what that bubble is. It could be private equity. It could be some new structured credit created um like subprime bonds they might create some kind of private equity subprime bonds or something like that and give those returns out to investors rated triple a and eventually that blows up and we're kind of seeing the blow-ups in private equity already like we work and so on and uber rent public and they're kind of getting crushed and maybe this is going to be the start of the next bubble so who knows it's very interesting and it's a very it's a very interesting market because nobody looks obviously at the funding you know if you're a mom and pop investor you don't know what the hell repo market is or short term market is you don't know about these uh, fed um repo standing facilities or um temporary uh, you know auctions and so on so it's very interesting and um, you know if you want to learn more about it definitely feel free to subscribe to my website and i have a lot of stuff in my course about this as well other than that, I think uh, maybe I'm going to keep it a little short this week. Um, I'm going to try and do these uh, every week again. And, you know, as more things are happening in the market, I'll have more things to talk about. But for now, uh, this is going to be it. So make sure you go subscribe to my website. Make sure you go uh, to my course and uh, to my website. The course is available there. The boot camp is $69.99 discounted right now. Uh, the larger course is 400 but uh, maybe I'll come up with a discount with that soon. And, you know, follow me on Instagram. Oh, the other great thing I forgot to mention. I'm going to be in New York City um, October 25th, 26th, the weekend. I'm hosting a whole bunch of events. Uh, a, a ton of you bought tickets. I mean, I can't believe a, a 100 tickets sold out. And Sorry, it was 75 tickets I put out, and they sold out in literally like 10 minutes. Pretty unreal. So thank you to everyone who bought tickets. The... Um, place where the event's going to be held will be announced tomorrow once i have it finalized it's going to be a beautiful rooftop place uh thank you uh the way you want to get involved with my new york events uh reach out to me but honestly right now i almost everything's sold out but maybe i can make uh you know a couple squeezes for a few of you but the way in the future the events are going to go priority to my website subscribers obviously the people who are in my alcoholics anonymous club are going to get priority on everything uh, if you want to if you want to uh, get participate in the Alphaholics Anonymous Club, go to alphaholicsanonymous.com and sign up. And uh, right now we're not taking any members uh, for at least another month or two because we're at capacity. But you know, if somebody drops out, you never know. We might uh, let some of you in. That's some ways to get uh, involved with me. Please, please subscribe to my podcast. And uh, if you have fun, 
if you're enjoying this podcast you guys are learning something please give me a five-star review and a, um, a review uh, posted because it really helps uh, get my name out there get these podcasts out there because as you guys know i do not uh, do any ads and um, you know, I keep all that stuff clean, even on my Instagram. So please uh, support if you can. Uh, greatly appreciate it. And everybody have a great day.